Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next podcast here at Babble. This is Kevin. This is Matthew. And we are going to be reviewing The Die is Cast, the uh, second part of the two-parter. We uh, did the podcast of the uh, first part last week, and uh, as Memory Alpha so helpfully pointed out to us, this is the first two-parter in Star Trek with different names. Yeah, yes, indeed. Uh, not the first. I mean, I guess DS9 has already done a three-parter. Did that have part one, part two, no. and part three? No. I thought that was called the Maquis. No, the Maquis was a one and two. You're thinking of the the sea, uh, the circle, the homecoming, the circle, the siege. Okay, so this is the first two-parter with two different names, but not the first continuing story with different titles. So I guess the writers at Memory Alpha were really stretching for a fact. I think that's a factoid. Yeah, that's not even a fact. It's quasi-fact. Factoid. Okay, so we loved last week's episode. Yeah, it was good. Um, it maybe wasn't a complete story on its own. It was a lot of build-up. The build-up was well done. I think one of my criticisms was that it wasn't terribly science fiction oriented. Um, and maybe this one will be a bit more so with the Odo stuff, but we'll see. Um, no, it's... Uh, the thing that's really nice about both of these episodes, and I think probably it'll bear watching, but probably every episode hereafter, is that we finally sort of stopped being boring, you know? And things are starting to be crisper and more, you know, uh, peppy in terms of pacing and development and action and less of a focus on character stories that we don't really want to see like does what does dr bashir have inside his thoughts and blah 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 you know like yeah i think uh, the actors the the writers have found the actor's strengths you know we're ages away from shouty kira we're happy to give we can give odo a you know hard-boiled gumshoe investigation like you know there's a there's definitely an energy here that uh, even as one of Deep Space Nine's most ardent defenders admits was lacking, certainly in the first two seasons and in the middle of season three. I think season three started strong and kind of dipped down a little, but just the last week's episode, you know, years after first watching it, I still love rewatching it because it's just so interesting. Stuff is happening and people are talking and buttons are being pushed and it just it is fun to watch. Well, and it's not even like a big explosion extravaganza, you know, it's not... There's an explosion. That happens off screen. Yeah. But it's not a big space battle thing. It's not a lot of fistfights. You know, it's it's intrigue, you know. Right, right. It's intriguing in that way. Um, I mean, I think that Deep Space Nine is not terribly good at character stories and it's not terribly good at the alien of the week or the you know the new sci-fi problem of the week kind of story because of the way it's set up i mean the show is not set up to be this roving you know new experience every time it's set up to be to go deep into one particular area one particular theme one particular territory and that's fine you know, the problem, I think, has been that they've been trying to shoehorn TNG-style stories into a show that's not set up to tell those stories. 
And so a show like this is much more dependent on event of the week. Well, on creating a a force, an entity, an enemy, uh, not even an enemy necessarily, but just an alternate group dynamic. You know, like having the Cardassians. Whenever the episodes focused on the Cardassians, they've been pretty good. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that's because look. You're here in this area. You've got the Bajorans versus the Cardassians. Tell us those stories. You know, tell us the stories of the occupation. Tell us the stories of cultures reconciling after such a long period of you know bad stuff, right? You know, don't tell us, oh, here's a proto universe this week, and oh, here's the storyteller with you know the oh, storms God. coming. Like, well, like I was thinking about like if wishes were horses is essentially a TNG episode. It's where no one has gone before. They mm -hmm. end up in a place where their thoughts happen. Yeah. TNG got a pretty good episode out of it. DS9 got a... Well, these these ideas just are fundamentally unsuited to the backdrop that they've created. Those ideas are fundamentally suited to a starship that explores strange new worlds and seeks out new right. life and civilizations, right? That's not what... You don't hear that in the prologue of Deep Space Nine, and you shouldn't. That's right. not what this show right. is about. This show is about living in the universe. Well, if nothing, if nothing else, what I especially when Deep Space Nine starts to do its arc storytelling, what I think the show is great at is consequence. And yeah. the best stories are the ones that show and incorporate consequence. When we get another look at Cardassian politics, another look at Bajoran politics, and another like those are those are fun. Well, and, and they build on previous stories, right? Like even last week, well, we had an episode where. Uh, we, we start with the Maquis, then the Maquis come back in the Defiant, and we find out something's going on in Cardassian politics, and it pays off in this episode. So stuff really builds, um, and it can make it challenging for the new viewer, it can make it... It's nowhere near as challenging, though, as something like Ron Moore's Battlestar, where if you came in in, like, season 3.5, you know, you'd just be like, what the hell is going on? There's no way I could possibly catch up. They do a decent job. Well, yeah, even if you have seen every episode, it's impossible to catch up because it's so convoluted. I think they straddle the line in Deep Space Nine, and I think they do a decent job of giving you enough background, even if you just came in on a particular episode. Yeah, they, they definitely try. And spoiler alert, Matthew and I are the final two Cylons, which <laughs> well, was about as Just much about as reasonable as anybody else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. All, we all we that, have bitterness about a lot of science fiction franchises that we love, but we do love books. <laughs> now, see, to, for me, the Battlestar bitterness—it's like a loving bitterness. You know, it's it's like the uncle that you love who is in jail now or something. You know, <laughs> I, it's like I think, I think clearly that, he fucked up. You know, but <laughs> you, you didn't hate him from the beginning. You know, that's that's the the new stuff. Is, yeah, <laughs> I think that metaphor got away from you, but I get what you're saying. Okay. Anyway. All that preface now being said, we should start the episode. Uh, so everybody get your DVDs, hopefully Blu-rays in the future, if we're talking to the future, uh, your Netflix streaming. Um, your, your Google Glass. Oh, is that – can people watch Star Trek on Google Glass? I think of all the things people will eventually be able to do on Google Glass, watch Star Trek on it, it's going to be right up there. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Porn and Google Glass and Star Trek. Like a different, like both lenses at the same time. Oh, that's too far. <laughs> professors using Google Glass in classrooms, like distributing it to their students. I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, so anyway, get your get your media ready to go. Uh, by the way, it is all now free on StarTrek.com, so, you know, if that's your thing, go for that. You will have to pause the podcast for the commercials, uh, but whatever. And we will press play simultaneously in 3, 2, 1, press play. We have our little recap last time. And yeah, those are some good pyrotechnics. Yeah. It's having lived through a fire that actually looks like a store that's been burnt. I still have questions about how something on a space station gets burned like that, but I suppose there's gravity, so the fire does travel in a certain way. You know, whatever. I just want I want to know why everyone didn't suffocate. <laughs> I guess they have air filtration systems, which are far beyond ours. I will say, this is a very um, hectic recap. Normally the recap tends to be uh, a snippet of a captain's log, uh, one bit of conflict, two bit of conflict, and then you're done. I imagine trying to recap this last episode for the viewer must have been a bit difficult. Well, I think they did a good job. They gave us all the basic reveals. They gave us an Aberntain coming up right now, the attack on the Dominion. Staging a first strike in a much better version of that kind of story than Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, let's not turn this into a, another review of Star Trek Into Darkness, though, um, as I am wont to do. And we see Garrick's... I mean, we can't really call it a betrayal, because he's never really been on their side, but he's sort of casting his lot, yeah. you know, with an Aberntain. And now the conclusion... So I like this structure, how it kind of plays on what the previous episode was doing. Right, because it started with them at, at, at lunch, lunch debating Shakespeare. And now Bashir is sort of boring Chief O'Brien with talk about theater, which Kevin backed me up, totally gay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really, first gay character on Star Trek, right here, people. We could have done it. We could have done it. Well, he's closeted. Oh yeah, all the all the. There's lots of closeted gay people in the real world. Yeah, yeah. all the skirt chasing, total covering behavior. Um, he should have grown a beard. <laughs> it's it's this is good comedy. It's it also is nice that we're going back to the station because the previous episode spent like thirty minutes with. Odo and Garrick, yeah. which was fine, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, But it's nice that we're seeing that, as unbeknownst to the people on the station, all of this stuff is going down. You know, they're proceeding normally. Right. You know? And so it's, it's a relatively elegant way to get us back on the station and see how they're going to react when things hit the fan. Um, I, I also like the uh, build of uh, Bashir and O'Brien's friendship. Because they're still they're not the same kind of friends that Bashir and Garrick are, and I, I like you know you, you do different things with different friends you share different interests. I I do not actually discuss Star Trek in this level of detail with my other friends. <laughs> I like that O'Brien stuffs a napkin in his uniform. <laughs> I guess he's eating soup, but so is Bashir. I guess he's genetically engineered not to spill. <laughs> See, this is the thing. 
Tetran particles are moving toward the station. We haven't seen anything like this before. Wait, didn't you just have an episode where there was Tetran emissions orbiting the station? And haven't we seen Tetran particles in... Every other time, uh... Every other time a Romulan has been involved? <sighs> oh, well. I mean, it's not huge. So we have an Okudogram of a bunch of blobs approaching the station. So here's the reveal. You know, it's like there's a ship, or rather, a fleet, a flotilla of both Romulan and Cardassian ships decloaking. My question is, why are they decloaking? Do you have to decloak to go through a wormhole? That was my guess. Um, it's like, why reveal yourself? You, you went all this way cloaked. Just go the whole way. In fact, if you know, or if you think, or if you suspect that the Dominion has spies... Well, I suppose there would be no way to um, cloak the wormhole opening. Sure. They wouldn't know who went through, That's how true. many went through. That's true. So I think a line of dialogue could have been utilized to establish the rationale behind cloaking. Yeah. Um, maybe had they had more time, you could have had it where the ships went through cloaked but because of the interference from the wormhole, they were able to suss out what the ships were. Yeah, look at the outlines yeah. or something. I mean, that would be interesting to have it still be somewhat mysterious. Although I, I do like that it's kind of like shock and awe or something. Yeah. You know, like they're, they're suitably shocked and awed. Okay, now from the teaser... You can tell that the episode, I think, is going to be more action-y than last week. This is the payoff, which I'm fine with. They, they earned their payoff. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of stuff going down. You know, There's probably going to be a battle, folks. <laughs> you don't see that many ships on screen at once. By the way, that's probably the most ships we've seen on screen at once in uh, the TV franchise. Certainly. Uh, and apparently they did... Um, it was some sort of cost-saving effect where they created transparencies and just repeated the transparencies on the screen. So it was still a practical effect. It was not computer-generated uh, right. doubling of the image. Hmm. And I'll, I'll get to this when we get to the, the later scenes. I actually really enjoyed that one as well, the, uh, the battle sequence. It's been a short teaser, nothing too uh, melodramatic. Well, I think they kind of have to do short teasers when they have the recap from the previous that's, episode. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they haven't... Uh, Added the Defiance. Yeah, they haven't changed the opening sequence. I think that's next season. Yeah. When they add that bass line you love so much. Yeah, I really don't like when they add percussion to orchestral themes. So they're drinking. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, it looks like Dole pineapple orange banana juice. But... Yeah. Yeah, I like how liquors in other cultures are colorful. And I like the stemware they use generally. So this dialogue is nice because we're learning some stuff about Garrick's past. Right. And as Kevin frequently mentions, you know, the the dialogue is relatively naturalistic. They're not 
expositing at each other. They're having a reasonably organic conversation with each other. You know, they're not giving us all of the details and right. they, don't, they don't have to. It's more about the character of the scene and the, the feelings that we're getting off of them. So we're getting this, it is foreshadowing of course, right. but we're getting this stuff about how ruthless an interrogator and a torturer yeah. you know, Garrick was, which really does trouble our view of the character. He's been fun and funny and, you know. Right. It is going to lead to one of my somewhat larger problems with the show in terms of consequences. Yeah, like like when Quark starts How do they let him back? Yeah. You know, how... how <laughs> okay, now go back to your store after you've tortured our... You know, we'll get there. Yeah, if this dialogue were on Lost, you know... Garrick would trail off and there'd be a flashback and then what's his face, you know, and Abertain would trail off and there'd be a flashback <laughs> and then they'd re- revisit it a season later. So there's some nice continuity referencing, you know, Ducat. They haven't really gotten at the animosity between Garrick and Ducat. A little bit. They did, they did it a little in bit. civil defense. Yeah. So here's the thing about Mila. She was introduced last episode. You know, and Abrantain is going through the... He's returning to his previous spymaster role, and in doing so is eliminating loose ends, one of which was Garrick. Right. But he survived, and so now he's back on his side. Now, are you reading that she's supposed to be his mother? Um, and, and Tain is his father? Oh, spoiler alert for season six. <laughs> um, I didn't read Tain as his father at this point, but I did understand that there was obviously some type of close relationship because he is, without trying to say so... Well, he's trying to defend her. He's, right. He's, and that's what's good about the character building is, you know, he's back, but has he been changed? Right. You know? And I think we're going to see in the torture scenes, too, that... Tane is going to accuse Garrick of losing his edge. And I think that they're doing an effective job, and Andrew Robinson's doing an effective job with some of the eye movements, some of the yeah. just slightly furtive glances, you know, of showing us that he has changed, actually. Here's our new Romulan uniforms, which we saw last episode. Definitely an improvement. Uh, I like the sashy thing. Yeah, they're still a little upholstery, but nowhere near as bad as the old ones. Well, it's, it's like, you know, it's like a giant room-filling sectional versus, you know, a love seat. Yeah, this, is a, this is a discreet chase yeah, lounge. They're wearing love seats now. I think it's a pretty good look. Yeah. I, I like the dark on dark. You know, I like I like the collar, too. Yeah. Is that supposed to be a, a tell... Sorry. Yeah, Tal Shiar logo? I, th- I think so, yeah. I like this actor. He has a... otherness to him. Uh, well, I still renew my objection to the way they write the Romulans. He's acting like a Vulcan, you know? And I'm not saying, like, every Romulan should storm into a room and, you know, like, go, oh, woe is me, I'm so passionate, but... There's just a certain tone. Could, could you do that? Yeah. Every time I walk into a room. They need to be more emo, you know? Not emo emo, just slightly more emo. 
And I like the way that this portion of the episode is introduced. You know, Garrett goes in friendly. Yeah. It's very uh, claustrophobic uh, camera work. Yeah. Going under the characters to show the ceiling definitely helps the prison feel. What is with the Romulans and slapping logos on everything? You know? It's emo. This is their trapper keeper. They're yeah. they're putting they're putting all their favorite decals on them. Yes, trapper keepers need to come back, <laughs> and there need to be Star Trek themed trapper keepers with L cars and. Yeah. Star well, okay. Trucks. I like Garrick here trying to defend his actions as he's not he never actually, you know, allied himself with the Federation, so he can't actually betray him. Yeah. Well, and it's nice that Odo is kind of busting his balls, you know. Yeah, this is as this is as zippy and sparkling as like like when he accused him of blowing up his own shop. I really enjoy like the, just the dialogue is just crazy. That was the word you used earlier. It's crisp. He he! Just every word that Andrew Robinson says <laughs> has a purpose. Yeah. Well, every inflection, every tone. This is a this re- is a redress re- yeah. of the defiant quarters. Yeah. Right? yeah. Every time they show these bunks, I'm like, man. Put a fake wall over the bunks. Yeah. The bunks are a dead giveaway. You think they're shelves? They're not shelves. They're bunks. <laughs> or just cover the top one. Yeah. I don't know. It would still be obvious. Look, I mean, they built a set. They have to use it. I get that, you know. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and it's interesting that Odo is trying to remind Garrick that Tane is the real evil one here. One of my questions overall. And, you know, it hasn't come up yet, but it's going to. This whole quantum inhibitor field to stop changelings from shifting, that seems like a really potent weapon that you should use against the founders. And I don't think they ever bring it up again. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind it here. It's a good torture device. but So here's uh, Eddington. Has he been out of the loop for a couple episodes before? Yeah. Or no, is this his first... No, because he, he showed up for the search. He was in, yeah. Has he shown up since the search? Well, let's look up Michael Eddington. I like the I, I like this uh, little uh, bunker video of Tane's here. It's really good. And I loved, loved the Cardassian uh, City in Order design. Well, see, I like this city backdrop behind Admiral Todman who, as is pointed out by Memory Alpha, is wearing gold as an admiral, one of the first, or the first, to do that in TNG era. Like, I like that there's a sunset. I like... It just... It adds so much to the scene. Even though I know it's just, like, cutouts or something. Right. You know? Well, it, it adds a color... There's, like, a little tree. You see the little tree branch? Yeah, there's, like, a... There's a different color coming from the view screen than just a light source and it changes the 
especially snapping from the shot obtained, it looks different. This is his first, Eddington's first appearance since the search. Here's one of my ongoing problems with Deep Space Nine. Why the hell is there not a fleet stationed at DS9? Yeah, well, and he even says it here. He's like, you know, and if they come through, you're going to be the first line of defense. Like, well, yeah, why not beef up that line of defense? Why not have a flotilla of Starfleet ships on the other side of the wormhole? <laughs> you know, build a base there. There's a good idea. I yeah, like I kind of feel like they oversell the Defiant. Yeah. As being like the end all be all of ships, and they never really go back to the the flaws. The design flaws that it was supposed to have. Yeah. I really like the way they cast Eddington. You know, he's not this, like... I mean, he's a Barkley type. You yeah, know? he's not a hero. He's not, yeah, this, like, matinee idol, handsome Commander Riker kind of guy. Right. He's got good bone structure, but... You well, know, I'm not. just saying you can believe him as a career officer. Right, who, right. You know, has invested his life in something. And will end up in the middle ranks. He's a lieutenant now. He'll make lieutenant commander. Well, they're going to put some dialogue in here with him that yeah. talks about that. And that's the kind of dialogue that makes Starfleet feel like a real place, unlike certain other re for, for recent... Film, films that shall not be named. It rhymes with schmarschmeckschmintuschmarkness. <laughs> but also schmarschmeckschmufrauschenschmein. We should rename the blog Star Trek into Snarkness. <laughs> we should start a second blog that's just like this safe space for us to yell constantly about how much we didn't like the movie. I wonder what that screen is practically, if it's a rear projection. Now there's a shot on the Blu-ray that we'll definitely be looking for. Oh yeah, the, to look at the defined plaque, plaque. yeah. And here's another thing that they always do. It's like, now that we have a starship on Deep Space Nine, let's put all of the crew members... Here's a split diopter effect, by the way. Uh, let's put all the crew on there, even though the Doctor has nothing to do on the bridge. You know? Like, can, can Chief O'Brien really be away from the station, given how much it's breaking down all the time? Or Major Kira? I suppose maybe she has a realistic presence as... Bajor's military attache or something. But it, yeah, it doesn't make sense that there isn't a standing defined crew. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's just this sort of slightly artificial, you know, it's like, well, gotta have the top build actors on the bridge here. Which I guess you do, but... Well, when the show is about a starship, that's not hard to do. But this show is not about, it's not Star Trek Defiant, it's Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Well, Cisco should have been a captain in the first place. I do love the wormhole effect. I always have it. Is it is quite gorgeous, well, especially for the time. Yeah, they did it once and they reused it, and it's never been bad. <laughs> kind of like the warp stretching effect on TNG. Yeah. 
How do you feel about dimming the lights when they've got the cloaking device on? It's a little precious. This, I think, is clearly a rear projection, because you can see it's a little bit faded. I was going to say... Uh, it yeah, looks I, neat. I think the panel in the war room, wardroom, was a, like, okudogram, like, plastic display on top of a whiteboard. Like a white, like an, like an x-ray machine. Hmm. Like a light box. Okay. That does look like a rear projection. It's a great looking graphic. Oh, totally. I really want to meet the person who stitched a hexagonal turtleneck and shake their hand. That could not have been easy. I'm, I'm looking at Anabrintain's tasteful old man sweater set, and they've like shaped the turtleneck to match the kind of interlocking... Cardassian neck. Thing. Yeah, thing. and that's just awesome. That is just attention to detail. There's a lot of tight close-ups on faces. Oh, I just love listening to this dialogue. It's so good. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying about the Romulans? It, their delivery is very Vulcan-like. They could be delivering their dialogue just like the Cardassians yeah. are here, and that yeah. would be more characteristic. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I love the way Tain is, like, to the viewer at least, obviously manipulating Garrick. And Garrick, shockingly, isn't, isn't detecting it because of his attachment to Tain. It almost seems like Eric admitted that he is friends with yeah. the Deep Space Nine crew. I feel like Andrew Robinson's eyes are kind of far apart from each other. That might be the makeup. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I saw him in Hellraiser, and I'm trying to remember what, what he looks like without the makeup on. And I never noticed. Eddington is actually playing the scene really well. Like, he looks guilty. Yeah. So, oh yeah, he's sabotaging the ship's cloak in order to make them go back, prevent them from trying to rescue Odo right. against Todman's orders. You know, that's another thing that is kind of lacking in consequence here. Right. I mean, they promote him to captain immediately after he, as a commander, disregards a direct order from an admiral. I, this feels a little like filler to me. 
like we we need the Define to come rescue Odo and Garrick, but that's a pretty short trip. So we added this like blip of tension. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of admirals manipulating lower officers. Right. You know, and it has been a pretty decent source of drama in previous TNG. Sure. But this is done well. Kelly's pointing out that they do that in Star Trek Into Darkness. And my rejoinder is that this is done well. Um, it's been a good source of drama when someone has to betray a friend or a superior when a greater superior, you know, gives a direct order. I mean, it's good military drama, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just following orders. Well, when do you not just follow orders, you know? Right now, Eddington is in the just following orders stage. At some point, he'll stop doing that, I guess. So now the scene has shifted, and they're up by the ceiling, looking down. Yeah, I think a line of exposition that the prototype was destroyed in a subsequent attack or something would have been good, because that is a pretty powerful... Well, it seems like this thing also is kind of fragile, and Odo could just, like, break it. Right, you could just knock it over. <laughs> like, move those three doohickeys away from the center. It's a good prop. Yeah, I like the light light doohickey, you know. Is this thing fire stove or something? Yeah. What's, what's this moving light do? We don't know. I am going to say when René Abergenois tries to demonstrate that he can't stretch his arms, it looks kind of silly. I was okay with it. I'd buy it. Well, it hasn't happened yet, but I just remember from the last time I watched this, he goes, Argh! Argh! Here he goes. Because I assume he's actually already tried it. Like, when he was, like, just moving his fingers, he was thinking about, like, then he panicked, and now he's, like, overemphasizing it in his panic. And I bought that. Eh, it seems kind of Frankenstein's monster to me. <laughs> I would kill to see Odo Singh putting on the Ritz. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> It's nice that he doesn't know what'll happen. Uh, and that was a great line. Like, that really unsettled me as a kid. You know, the, the whole having to revert every certain amount of time, it's very, like, a Green Lantern weakness. Like, right. right. Ye yellow impurity in our ring, like that kind of thing. It's, <laughs> it's like, okay, that, we, we have... That was the least nerdy thing you've <laughs> ever said. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of the yellow impurity and the green, green lantern mythos. <laughs> in Itchy and Scratchy episode 16A, he hit the same rib twice as his xylophone would play two but clearly. But clearly different. played different notes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, I think my point is less nerdy than that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it does seem like kind of an artificial weakness. Right. You know, plus... How many hours is it supposed to be? Is it tied to, like, their original home world? Or is it, like, why biologically is it necessary? I'm not saying they it's they did a bad thing with it here. It, it was used to good effect. 
yeah, you're right, Kevin. This this scene, you know, helping O'Brien fix stuff, like it's it's a little bit of filler. I mean, it's not bad filler. No, and what they eventually do with the whole changeling thing is pretty good. Yeah. Maybe they just could have gotten to that more quickly. Yeah. I mean, really, when I'm looking at the timer now, we're at 27, 28 minutes now. Uh, so we're more than halfway through the yeah, episode. And, it, and a lot of stuff is going to happen between now and minute 45. Yeah. <laughs> so, makeup job. How do you feel? Emmy, please. Like, that's, it's really good. It looks like he's flaking off, and it's... Um, because the last time they did Odo holding himself together, he looked like in, uh, what was it, uh, Fascination? Um, when uh, he was in the turbo lift with uh, oh. Loxana, it looked like he was like melting. Yeah. This looks like he's drying out. It looks like leather that's like old and rotting, and it's, it's kind of zombie-like, but it's not that literal. Yeah. Terrific performance by both actors, especially Andrew Robinson. And the dialogue is great. Like, they're still trying to outmaneuver each other. Yeah. But I just love the way Andrew Robinson is playing the complexity of his emotions. You know, he's torn. Yeah. And he's still trying to justify his actions to himself. It's not personal. So you wonder if maybe Odo is overacting a little bit. Yeah. Just to get at Garrett. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a great button to the episode. The device didn't work. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yep. Didn't really hurt. No, but I, this this revelation that Odo still wants to see the Founders, you know, that's good. Yeah. That's a good character moment. Yeah, and uh, something uh, Obishan Law said in interviews was when they told him at the start of season three we're going to find your people, he thought it was going to be character suicide because, you know, you removed the driving... The mystery, yeah. Yeah, and the reason the character does things for the series so far. But they found a way to really turn it on its head and still give him good conflict. Yeah, he was definitely incorrect about that. I think some of the founder stuff, the... That's some of the best stuff yeah, in the series. Totally. But I understand his concern from the get. It's it's like the will they oh, won't you're, they were fundamentally changing my character. Right. Yeah. This effect is just so so. I mean, I like how they're making him seem weak. Right, like jerking. Yeah. I want to know how he like magnetically attracted the other <laughs> little bits of him. My thing is, I wish they'd give him a bigger bucket. It should be like a kiddie pool, you know. And. and Maybe he can alter his density or something, but yeah. it always seems like he he reverts to this very small amount yeah. of liquid yeah. compared to a humanoid body. I like the prop. Looks like a real circuit board. <laughs> Engage cloak and submarine playtime mode. <laughs> well, then it's interesting that Garrick is not I mean, the information really wouldn't be useful. But it's still lying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
All of them are delivering the like. I I, I understand your general point about the Robin. No, ones, I, but I agree this with guy on Lovak. He's he's pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. I really want to meet Paul Dooley once in my life because I want to ask him how do you careen so quickly from doddering old man to terrifying old man? Like it's just he just really I. Like from his first scene with Bashir in the wire, it just it's so good. <laughs> I love this dialogue. Never been psychoanalyzed by a Romulan before. Well, of course, there's, I don't want to spoil it, but, you know, there could be a rationale for Lovak not quite acting like Lovak. Right. I like this Romulan, like, helmswoman. She did a good job. I feel like an Aberntain was too confident, you know? I, I like the effect. It's not as good as I think it could have been certainly today, but it was well done. I like the uh, shockwaves. Well, yeah, when they're talking about the crust being... Like, I didn't get the sense crust was actually Yeah, destroyed. it looked like they were shooting at a gas giant. Right. So this was done well. Yeah. You know, the sort of reversal. Uh, and everyone plays it so well. And I and the tactical display is great. And I, I think at that point, 150 shifts was the was the highest number I had ever heard mentioned in a Star Trek episode. So these fire effects aren't great, but I do like the general animation on the ships. Yeah, like the ships move well. The the fire is clearly like some sort of transparency. Yeah. I like the Romulan bridge. I don't know if it's a new new bridge or a redesign of an old bridge. But, uh, all I the, think this is a re. This is the Defiant Bridge. You know, I can see that. Yeah, so uh, here's a Shakespeare reference, so he's clearly been reading. And that was in Julius Caesar, also, wasn't it? Right, yeah. yeah. I feel like Tane went unhinged a little too quickly. A little too quickly. You know? I mean, we only, it just made, made me feel like he was insane already. Yeah, well, we only have 
seven minutes left. I get the brevity, but it was played well. I enjoyed watching it. Oh, yeah, the act. I'm not faulting the act. Yeah. Well, I Kelly's saying maybe he was insane. That's why he was so confident. I just feel he's less menacing if he's... Already crazy. Yeah. This is good. Here's shaky cam that we can still follow the action, unlike certain movies, and it it, it adds to the effect, you know? They're well, do, they're, exactly. Yeah, well, they're doing some good pyrotechnics. Yeah, so this this is a nice reveal. Oh, it's, I know, and it's it's like plans, but then plans, but then plans, and it never goes off the rails most of the time. Well, this makes total sense for the founders. This is how they would manipulate right. they w- other cultures without being discovered. Right, you know? and that, that they're changelings, they can do it. Right. they you can mean, manage it. And and I like the I like the way he points out. No, 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 they came up with it on their own. We just helped. It made like most of the time when you have like a wheels within wheels within wheels there's like one point where you can be like oh that doesn't make any sense you it your entire plan depended on this random person wearing red socks today yeah this plot is not that complex you know right they didn't overstrain right to be too cute right and this is a great scene because you know the scene we've seen before where he finally admits that he wants to go home, refusing again. Well, and this is a nice parallel to Garrick. You know, in Garrick's character story, he does try to go home again. In Odo's character story, he doesn't. So they are different. So it's nice that Garrick still feels some emotional yeah. bond to an Aberntine. Um It's a good bridge destruction. There was like yeah, stuff coming cool. out of that too. Nice fire, nice. Yeah, see, I just think this episode would have been better if Tane had been just as manipulative and, yeah. and, I, I get and in command of his faculties now as he was before. Because then it would be like a mystery whether he survives, right, whether right, he. Right. So it's such a great line. Like. Another of my flaws. There's such a great, like, he's dismissing the man who's risking his life to save him. There's something so awful about it. How do you feel about Odo basically knocking Garrick out to save him? I like the Cardassian bruise. No, the makeup is good. It just, I, I wonder if, like, why is Odo doing it? This dude has just tortured him. I feel like Odo would just be more hands-off. He'd be like, hey, do what you want, you know. I do wonder why the Jemadar are attacking. I mean, Lovak let them go. Yeah, if they know that Odo's on the ship. Right. I think it would have made more sense had they said, 
no one's firing at us, we are actually just being caught in crossfire. Yeah. Like, it's a tiny dialogue change, it would have made more sense. Well, or maybe uh, it's a bit of uh, like Stockholm syndrome or yeah. something, which is also a very human psychological response. And I think it takes a little longer. See, they're dropping shields. I mean, that was like 10 seconds. They should really stop storing their fireworks on the bridge. Gotta go somewhere. <laughs> So I'd like that view through the bridge view screen. Yeah. Um, some really nice shots of the Defiant model. It's a lot of movement and a lot of... Okay. I Referencing movies we're not going to name. There was a lot of go, There was a lot of action going on, but if I asked you to, like, on a cocktail napkin, sketch what happened, you could, right? Well, you can follow it. Right, yeah. enough... enough Space was given and movement and arc to describe the entire scene. Well, I guess I was thinking of the season finale with the changeling. Oh, Krajinsky, yeah. Yeah, infiltrates the ship. Like that note seems like it was just there to bolster the romance or something, which it didn't. So it's no longer sunset on Admiral Todman's planet? There are more than one time of day? Yeah. <laughs> it almost looks like he's on Earth. Okay, I'll say this. I do like that they at least acknowledge he's violating orders and the Admiral's choosing to overlook it. You can question the veracity of choosing to do so, but I think it would have been a bigger sin to ignore it. Well, this is a good line. You know, yeah. You do it again, I'll either court-martial you or promote you. You'll be in trouble either way. Okay, this last scene, I like it, but I don't. I get it, but I don't. Acknowledging that they both were, that they both want, excuse me, to return home to their people, despite the bad things that they've done, does create a kind of emotional bond, and I appreciate that that's what they're displaying here. I do question that Odo would choose to have breakfast with a man who tortured him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Odo is such a an arbiter of justice, you know, like he has this strong sense right. of right and wrong. And he's basically tarred and feathered cork for the rest of his life based on... For being a petty thief. A various, you know, set of misdeeds. I, you know, I, it's somewhat problematic. 
really felt like Garrick didn't want to be doing it. Yeah, maybe he was convinced by Garrick's justifications. I also did like the camera work of him wiping off the mirror to yeah, show Yeah, to reveal Odo. And the fact that Odo doesn't come into scene. He's only in reflection. Yeah. Well, it's artfully done. Yeah, and I, I do like that line. <laughs> the worst part is, I'm a very good tailor. Garrick's uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner schedule is getting very full. Yeah, he can only make one more friend. It seems like Eric is touched by the request. That might be the most we've seen of Cardassian ears. <laughs> now, Rick Berman is the sole executive producer. Uh, I believe it used to be Rick Berman and Michael Pillar. Okay, so, what do we think? Eric I... I like the writing. I think it has the same energy and crispness. And I mean, the middle defined scenes were a little bit filler, but they weren't bad filler, so I can be a little more forgiving. Usually when they tend to do filler, it's bad. Well, it wasn't like, Jake Sisko has a pimple, you know, or... <laughs> Cork wants to build a new bathroom in the bar. I actually would like that, but because <laughs> they'd show us a bathroom in Deep Space Nine. Um, yeah, I think it, it moves well. It's not boring. It's exciting. Generally speaking, it reveals interesting things about the characters. Um, you know, is it... Uh, are there some questionable character motivations? Now, Odo and Garrick are both aliens. So, maybe their emotional makeups is a little bit different than ours. Uh, maybe that's what we're supposed to be learning about. Um, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, is it a sci-fi story? No, I mean... It's not hard sci-fi. Yeah, it'd be a stretch to call it that. But much like the last episode, um, I think the episode is, you know taut political thriller and this time a little more action heavy but I, I enjoyed it and um particularly given that they had a plan within a plan within a plan that stands up to scrutiny which is not something they've always done i'm really happy about that yeah no i think as a spy thriller intrigue cloak and dagger you know uh it all worked pretty well um acting wise Andrew Robinson is unimpeachable yet again. Uh, and I know I've been hard on Rene Abergen a lot at some points uh, in the series. This, with the exception of the Frankenstein stretching thing, I think his scene, his torture scene was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, that was really upsetting as a kid. He seemed like he was actually in pain. And his scenes with Garrick were all just like the last show, you know, quite you know, yeah. punchy. As much as I don't get perfectly why Odo now seems to feel a bond to Garrick, I buy both actors by it, which, you know, covers a lot. <laughs> Kelly has opined that 
Odo has more chemistry with Garrick than with Kira, which is totally true. true. Yeah. yeah, if he should have been romantically involved with anybody, it should have been Cork. <laughs> who was already kind of outed as maybe sort of gay in the episode with the cross-dressing, uh, what's her name? The, oh, um, the Ferengi. Pell. Pell, yeah. Because he didn't, he wasn't really upset by the gayness of it all. Yeah. He was more upset that she was a woman. Yeah. Than that it was, it was a, a dude, dude kissing her. Yeah. You know? Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to revisit the homosexuality in Star Trek post. <laughs> uh, yeah, it really should have been Odo Quark. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, I'm sure somewhere on the... the mountain together? Yeah. Uh, somewhere on the internet this story exists. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the acting is unimpeachable. I mean, it's just good. Well, and it, it was good for the the principal cast members, too. You know, I, even though they didn't have a ton to do, you know, I thought Avery Brooks and, you know... Colmini. Colmini. Yeah. Well, and who's the guy who plays Eddington? It's, uh... What the hell is his name? I'm trying to look it up right now. Uh, Kenneth Marshall. Thank you. I was going to say Keith. I knew that was wrong. Oh, I think he did a nice... A nice job with it. Um, uh, production values, like, yeah, they, they did the fleet well at the beginning. They did the battle well at the end. It's not as um, visually tight as later epic battle sequences will be, but especially at the time, I remember being, like, floored at what I was watching. Oh, it's extremely epic for what we've seen so far. Um, the explosions were not as good as some of the because it, it was it was clearly transparencies overlaid on the image as opposed to actually physically exploding a model. Well, and and I'm on record as hating those. You know, so there have been better explosions, but there haven't been better space battles, really. Yeah. On like, on the TV series, like I think, it, with the exception of maybe the depiction of Wolf Three Five Nine, we got in the emissary. Yeah, that was that was pretty well done. I think this was better. Uh, I think that, in terms of space battles... Right, that had like three ships we got to yeah, see. The, the only two space battles that seemed had to have more dramatic impact might have been... Uh, well, when the Odyssey was destroyed, that yeah, was really yeah. cool. But in TNG, you've got all good things. Uh, that space battle was totally kick-ass. Yeah. And then yesterday's Enterprise. Yeah. You know, Although that one was relatively sedate, actually. Yeah, I mean, this had a lot of energy and movement and lots of ships. Like, if nothing else... I didn't have to round up in my head to make the fleet the size the yeah. fleet was described. It as. was grand. Yeah. It looked grand. Um, you know, we had some redresses of Defiant, which, you know, have happened before and they'll happen again. And, you know, they're all right. They're, they're not great. Yeah. Uh, we had some very good makeup and costuming. Um, Odo looked really cool uh, when he was disintegrating. Um you know, Garrick contains wardrobe. The Romulan uniforms all look good. So uh, it's a, at least solidly above average as yeah. far as production value. So, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's certainly quite good. question is, how quite good is it? I'm, I'm happy with another four. If nothing else, one of our sort of recurring complaints for a lot of two-parters is the first part tends to set up an episode that the second part does not pay off. Well, this one 
kind of reversed that trend, actually. Yeah, I feel com- it's more more of a slow build to yeah. a big payoff. I feel completely satisfied and satiated by this episode. I, I'm gonna, I I mean the the writing is really solid and crisp and energetic, and it has some really gripping character scenes. The acting is all above average. The production values were grand. Well, um, why isn't it a five? Uh, I think for for the reason the last episode wasn't it. There's a you know a science uh, uh, bigger science fiction element might push it to a five. And, and I've described it before as kind of like there there's a reach in a five episode. I think you have to set out to make a five. You have to think I'm going to tell a story that is truly unique and grand and epic and moving in a big way. And that's what we're going to do here today, people. And that's what gets you a five. There has to be like good television told really well gets you a four. Well, I think that's, that's an interesting, there was a certain smallness to some of the scenes, you know, there weren't a lot of people affected. Yeah. Not they were, there was talk of a big fleet of yeah. ships, but we, we don't really, we're not really shown and we don't really feel a dramatic blow to the entire race or something. Yeah. You know, it, it still focuses on a very small group of characters. Yeah, I, I would have liked some follow-up on Cardassian and Romulus to show how this actually meaningfully cripples them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the sort of mystifying nature of Odo and Garrick, it uh, it seemed like they, they became buddy-buddy very quickly <laughs> after what they just experienced. Um so, yeah, I mean, I think I agree with the four. If it's not going to be science fiction or hard science fiction, then I need it to really wow me with kind of detail and consequence and depth. And this was pretty deep. It had pretty okay consequences. You know, it was... It's above average, but it's it's not transcendently good you know it doesn't transcend deep space nine it's a good deep space nine episode um like maybe some of the the war stuff like the siege of ar or whatever AR, yeah but like, like that's a great war story because and there's a reach there there's a there's a parable about the human condition and quark lecturing nog on what humanity really is yeah. like there's a there's something bigger there and i think you need that at least attempted bigger to push you into that fight. This isn't really a great anything else story. It's right. just a very good, good story. DS9 which, story. Which, please, give me more of these. <laughs> yeah. Well, if the whole show had been this, to this point, it wouldn't have taken us this long, and it wouldn't have felt like this much of a slog. Um, yeah, it's it's a great portent of things to come. It's a total of eight from the both of us. So that's, you know, with, that's the top yeah. 25% of Trek. I think that's a pretty fair... Yeah, totally range to put this in you know um yeah all right well i think that's enough of that uh i don't know what we'll do next uh there's actually you know there are going to be some very good episodes coming up um if not very good at least just solidly good yeah in a way that it's been kind of shaky for the past you know the last really the stretch ending from the search in the maquis you know, to this point, has been kind of meh. Yeah. So mush. it's really nice to to feel like there's hitting their stride. This yeah. is a hitting of stride. Um, they're really starting to click on all cylinders. You know, 
and maybe we'll see in season four that everything will really start, you know, gelling. All right. Uh, have a good night, everyone. Yep. Live long and prosper.